I'm Sinead O'Moore, and you're listening to Every Mum the Podcast, supported by Water Wipes, the world's purest baby wipes. From fertility to birth, pandemic parenting to taking care of ourselves, here we talk to guests about their own unique experiences of parenting. The insane joy and anxious defeat, the love, the laughs, tears, and the moments we don't talk enough about. This season is supported by one of the most essential products for every mum. From that first nappy change to those messy weaning months, water wipes. Made here in Ireland, water wipes are purer than cotton wool and water and made with only two ingredients, 99.9% purified water and a drop of fruit extract, making them ideal to protect and gently cleanse sensitive newborn and even premature skin. As the number one wipe in Ireland, Together, we are committed to providing more support for parents with trusted products and this podcast. In our first episode of our new season, I'm sharing a much requested follow-up conversation with Caroline Foran. A year ago, Caroline was a guest on our podcast after she had just given birth to her first baby. As a best-selling author and host of Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast, Caroline has been a huge source of support for a generation of people trying to understand and live with their anxiety. And as a new mother, plunged into the most anxious role of her life yet, she shared the very real emotions, fears, thoughts and doubts she was experiencing back in season three. But time changes everything. Her baby boy is one, she's had a year of motherhood and a year of owning her maternal anxiety. And so she's back to share what she has learned, what she wishes she could have told herself then, and where she found the sources of confidence. As a mental health advocate, Caroline cares about supporting other parents and in her role as brand ambassador for water wipes, which are proven to be purer than cotton wool and water, Caroline has helped launch water wipes latest resource, ABC of Baby Skin, which offers parents practical advice on 26 different baby skin conditions. And by sharing her experience here with us on Everyone the Podcast, she can also help others going through similar experiences to feel less alone. Caroline, thank you for joining me again on Everyone the Podcast. This is the first face-to-face conversation that I've had. It's weird, isn't it? <laughs> Not with you, thankfully, but the first face-to-face podcast conversation that I've had since March 2020. And I cannot tell you how brilliant and actually how right it is. I know. That it is with you. I know. It's so needed and it makes such a difference to be face-to-face and like having human connection for our deep chats, which are usually confined to Instagram DMs. (laughs) (laughs) But deep chats we've had and you shared quite a deep chat with us Mm -hmm. a year ago. Our first deep chat Mm -hmm. or chat ever was on the podcast Mm -hmm. and it was to talk about your experience since Caelan was born and how although you had overcome quite a lot of your anxiety through your work, through your knowledge, through understanding the tools that you needed for you, Mm -hmm. but then motherhood rocked it all. And the reason I wanted to have you back on is because it's been a year We have both had so many messages from women who have listened to that podcast and have benefited from hearing it because 
sometimes they think that they're supposed to feel like they've got it all sorted. Mm-hmm. I thought that way. Yeah. And But I wanted to invite you back because I know the journey that you've gone on over this year and how you are in a different place. And I just think how brilliant would it be to share that maybe if you are feeling that way in the beginning, you might not always. I would have paid big money to hear this when I was in that position, just to hear from someone who has been in your shoes, has felt, you know, whatever it is in life, you know, what for a long time ago, it was just anxiety. And last year it would have been hearing someone say, oh no, like I felt the full brunt of the hormones, the anxiety, the postpartum shift and the adjustment to becoming a mother. And a year later, I feel brilliant. I just so... I just so hope this is helpful for people because I still get messages saying all every day saying, you know, I'm 12 days in, I'm two weeks in. Like, I really hope I'm, it's so great to see you not in bits now, basically. (laughs) (laughs) And like really enjoying it and just settling into it. You know, now it did happen. I would like to say earlier than a year, it didn't take a year, but the difference in me now is, I think you probably agree. Completely agree. Completely agree. Like, I think it's okay to say that motherhood is really frightening. Yeah. And if you're entering it with any kind of disposition to be anxious about things or controlling about things or wanting to be perfect at things or feeling like I have to get this right or Mm -hmm. else I'll tell myself I'm not good enough or, you know, if if you're that way inclined anyway beforehand it's probably really natural for motherhood to shake that up again. Yeah, I remember in our first conversation, you said it's like being turned upside yeah. down and, and shaken and all the mm. stuff that needs to fall out will fall out. Mm. And and I completely understand it now. And I would be the first person to say, like, of course, this makes sense if you find it really up and down in the beginning. But I was so... I, I guess I just had no awareness of what it would be like. I had a complete Instagram version of what motherhood and especially at the beginning would be like versus what I thought. So being so caught, caught so unawares, I think really added a whole other level on top of the normal anxieties about becoming a mother where just the expectation versus mm. reality was so off for me. Um, And I think that has been that has required the most healing is to just accept that I didn't have the awareness then that I do now. It would never happen to me again to that extent. Mm. Um, but I still, as it's tough, like I still, I want to be completely frank about it. And I still struggle with how I felt at that time. Now I still feel sad. I still feel shame about it. I really do. And I'm really trying to work on that. And I mean, I think this conversation will definitely help um but as much as I know logically that all of that made sense and you know we've both had so many conversations about matrescence and the massive shift you go through as a person and that being shaken upside down thing I know all of that logically but still from what we consume about motherhood Mm. I still feel sad that I didn't get the picture perfect bubble love bubble experience and and I still sometimes feel like that was my fault or that's just me even though I know I've got so many other women saying oh my god me too it's so hard like I just haven't cracked that nut yet but also because it doesn't exist yeah you're seeking something that doesn't exist Mm -hmm. that picture perfect bubble I know 
even if it were marginally better than how you felt or what you experienced, what's in your mind doesn't exist. And I think had I known then that that was true and that it was okay for it to be a bit, you know, higgledy-piggledy, I would have just relaxed into it, I think, a lot sooner. Um, And the same with my anxiety in general. I always say, you know, had I known then what I know now, I would never have suffered to the extent that I did. And, And I always thought, you know, oh, pregnant people don't want to hear this. They, you know, ignorance is bliss. And obviously for lots of people, it's pure bliss in the beginning. And for lots of people, it's a bit trickier. But I think knowing that would safeguard you against being so hard on yourself if you do find that you're in a position where you're like weepy and and you're feeling overwhelmed and anxious and frightened and unsure of yourself then you would know well this makes sense it's okay and then you would shave off that top layer of judgment about yourself and you would like you would probably cut the anxiety in half like you'd still have anxieties around this is a new role for me you know I'm getting to know my baby there'd still all be those tangible worries there that everyone experiences but the but the being so self-critical and the judgment and the shock of the reality of it not being a walk in the park, I think being aware of that would would have massively changed it for me. What did you find most challenging? Like what was what what was making it feel like this is harder than I expected? I I really don't know. Because he was fine. He was a gorgeous little baby. And I look back at photos and, you know, we look really happy. And But I was crying all the time. I think, for me, my hormones really, really affected me. And um, I plummeted, you know, after after birth. Um, they all fell off a cliff. I remember, it's weird now, when I look back at photos of the first 24 hours, I'm like, God, you had no idea. Like, I was in the bubble for 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And then something just dropped off a cliff for me. And I had that second night, which I found very tough. And I remember the day I was going home and the, the midwives, brilliant as they are, coming in and just giving me all this information all about vitamin D, about different things that the baby, all the different injections the baby would need. And I it just, the overwhelm of this massive responsibility just kind of hit me I was obviously exhausted I hadn't slept for two days as every mother Mm. is in in that same boat and I just felt so intimidated by the task of being responsible for this tiny vulnerable thing and I felt like I wasn't going to be up to the task and I just found it all a lot and I remember I mean part of the problem was probably going home and my husband claims that he didn't realize I was coming home that day so there was no food in the house and I was like, I just nourishing myself with something that, you know, I didn't even think to do mm. or to go and have a hot shower. I was like, no, no, I can't step away from him. And I remember feeling nervous if Barry did, he went to go to MS to get, I was like, go and get me some food. Mm. And I was left alone with the baby. And I remember this really jarring feeling of like, I am his mother. He's my baby. I'm supposed to know what to do. And and I, I actually rang my neighbor across the road and I said, can you please come over? She probably got an awful fright being like, what is wrong with this person? I just needed someone who was a mother to be there and to kind of look after me and say, it's okay. Um, it was just the overwhelm, but I think the overwhelm was massively brought on by the, the hormones and, um, obviously the birth process. I think, you know, we have spoken before about, um, the hormones involved in breastfeeding and I was finding that tricky and there was probably lots of stuff going on under the hood that I didn't understand and um, and 
then what happens to me is I panic about the panic, mm. you know? So I'm like, oh my God, you're feeling anxious. And then it just kind of perpetuates for mm. me. And then I got, I got so frightened that I was back in that anxious space at the most critical time in my life when I needed to not be like that. So then I got really frightened that I just got pulled back into that old space where I, you know, struggled to get through the day. Um, I think it was a few things like that. And yeah, I guess it just, it took me a while to feel the joy element of it. What about the instinct of it? I didn't feel like I had that. Um, and I remember Layla, who I know you've had on, who's mm. I've had on mine as well. She's just brilliant. She actually was kind of like a postpartum doula for me over the phone at the mm. time. Obviously we were in COVID. Um, and she was saying to me how significant it is to shift from like one side of your brain to the other where, you know, for so long we've been, you know, um, work hard at something and you'll succeed mm. or and now this is more trial and error and I'm like I don't want trial and error I want if I try something I know I want to solve the problem and it was less about like well if I do my homework and I read up I can or if I google it I you know I know what to do and more like well, what does my baby need what do I feel that was a part of my being that I didn't know and I hadn't tapped into before and um, so I found that disconcerting and my husband would have been the same like he's an engineer and we're just like for every problem like he googles it and it was just things that we <laughs> couldn't put our finger on and I was I guess I was scared to just let myself go into that mm. and really only when I was willing to start trusting myself to trust my baby that my and trust that my baby trusted me that's only when things started to get easier um and I think that was a really significant shift for me. And I remember reading um, What Mothers Do, which I'm sure everyone who listens to this is familiar with by Naomi Stedlin. And I read it three times in a row in those early, early days. Um, and it was like a hug for me. And it was, I remember that sentence. It was like someone describing that when they started to trust themselves and just accept the fact that the uncertainty is a necessary part of the process. I was trying so hard to get to this point of certainty and knowing what to do and everyone around me seemed to know what to do with their babies and I, I so then I added the social comparison into the mix which mm -hmm. was a whole other anxiety where I was like why am I the one finding this hard you know um but when I accepted that the not knowing part is you have to go through that to come out the other side you have to go through the self-doubt to get to the point where you're more on you know more sure-footed um and I would say that now to any when any new mother I'm like it's okay if you feel uncertain and untethered it's not just okay it's actually quite necessary because it's part of you becoming a mother um and I guess I had no awareness of that at the time I just thought I have the baby go home have brunch take my lovely Instagram pics <laughs> done but the process for me for you needed to listen to this before you get yeah first. so that was my first mistake was <laughs> I didn't have any mom content until mm. I became one I didn't want to know even when I was pregnant I didn't want to know I just I don't know, maybe it was like a self-protection thing. Um, but in the long run, it w probably would have helped me to just have some like real chats with people that about, you know, the reality of, of being a mother. Um, and I think it would have taken the horns off it for me a bit. And then it would have let the more joyous moments actually give them more weight, you know, because I was they were getting squashed out by all this anxiety. Do you think though, not just the conversation part, but just being around other women who are transitioning into motherhood I didn't have that really because exactly. I was one of the first of my friends yeah. to have a baby and actually one of my my close friends um 
she had gone through it herself when she had her first baby but she was really the first of our group at our age to do it and she didn't talk about it she she didn't want to also admit that she was finding it hard so she kind of just kept to herself and we all just thought she was fine and only now that I've been through she's like oh no like I I was the same it took me about three months to kind of come up for air and and feel okay so we're super close now (laughs) with that you know Mm. sharing of that vulnerability but yeah, I wasn't around anyone. I just was around babies for five minutes and I got the best bits and I handed them back, you know, and I was like, oh, of course they're going to be tired, you know, but I thought they just napped. I didn't think that would be hard. You know, eventually it gets hard where they don't nap when, you know, they're tired or whatever. I just thought it would just all just happen so easily. And I was so focused on the birth and that being the finish line. And I remember being so unbelievably calm giving birth. Like I've never been so calm in my life. Barry was like, who is this person? Because I was like, I've done it now. Like, I'm here now. So that was the end. That was the end. That was the finish line. Because everything I'd read in pregnancy treats it as the finish line. There was nothing for... The only thing that was about after pregnancy was how to wash the baby, how to hold the baby, how to put mm. the baby's clothes the functional on. There aspects. was nothing about you as a person, yeah. what you might expect. Um, and I think that's, that's probably an issue that we need to address. You know, it's just the that fine line between normalizing it without terrifying people mm. that and I think that's where we would be less likely to have such overwhelm then when we stop seeing it as the finish line but really the beginning I, I just think that the the community aspect of it is something that's so lacking yeah because there you are feeling isolated holding your baby assuming that there is a book or a Google page that's going to answer all of your questions, mm. which it cannot do because mm-hmm. the world has never met your baby before. Your baby has a completely different mm. set of functions and rules and personalities and likes and dislikes. And then you have no observation. You have no reference points. So then you you fall into that trap of like, well, what do you do specifically? I need to know like exactly how do you get your baby to sleep or what's your routine or what's what are you feeding or what but no one has your baby no and there needs to be this like bubble that's wrapped around women that gives them that confidence to look inwards and to say I have to now start listening to this whole new voice of this new person that I've just met yeah and it's the mother me and I don't know how to hear that voice and I don't know how to trust that voice. I didn't give that voice a chance to even be heard because, and this is something I would have done differently now, um, I hoovered up experts and mm. having, being on Instagram and having, you know, access to different experts, whether it's um, for like reflux or for sleep or for, for anything that I, I, I just... I, I, I didn't give myself a chance to figure it anything out for myself mm-hmm. and we think that by surrounding ourselves with experts we're going to like safeguard ourselves against every eventuality and you actually just end up undermining mm-hmm. your own ability to to get to know your baby like you say no, none of these experts know your baby and I thought that if I just had the best of the best in the country advising me then I can't go wrong and I still couldn't figure things out or I mean yeah I think if I had just had a bit more quiet there and like really just said no yes, you've never done this before, but give yourself a chance mm-hmm. and let that intuition come to the surface because it will, because if we're constantly just filling up with information, it doesn't get a chance to bubble up. Like it's, it's you're suppressing it all the time. Um, so yeah, we think that experts will 
empower us, but we're, we're actually doing the opposite, I think, a lot of the time. I think it's really important information, but it should be seen as like the scaffolding. Yeah. Like it, it isn't, it isn't the foundation's and the building itself, like that's you and the relationship that you have with your baby. And yeah. I think get the information, but you have to decipher it in a way that is appropriate to like you and your life and your baby and what works oh, for yeah. you. No, I was like chop changing. I was like, this person said to do this. So this is what we're doing now. And oh no, this person said, someone else messaged me saying, oh, I found this better. So we're doing this now. And like our heads were spinning around the place. Like there's just, if I had another baby, there's just no way I would be and I, I guess I was reaching out for all of that advice because I was uncertain and I was craving reassurance mm. and in craving reassurance I share as you know and then people mean well and they send you back look this is what worked for me or whatever and I can't mm. even remember what it was that I was looking for reassurance on but then you have a million voices in your head and certainly not your own and you can't tell the wood from the trees and you don't know what to do like so Trusting, being around women who you trust, who you can observe, like you say, and giving yourself a chance to trust yourself. And like you say, like the relationship between you and your baby, like that took a while. Mm -hmm. I didn't really feel like I just had one straight away. I had to get to know him. And obviously that has only just gotten better and better and better. And now it's funny, I like get this pang of sadness every now and then like when I'm looking at Caelan and like he's just such a happy little boy like massive head on him he's like honestly like a little boy from <laughs> Jerry Maguire like he is human head weighs eight pounds um I get sad thinking that I didn't know him mm. when he first came along how how well I know him now I know that's not possible but it's just that that initial bond or instinct or like you know I've never known a love like this that I didn't feel that I felt utter fear that oh I don't know how to do this mm. and I felt a lot of shame about that too because I was getting messages from people saying oh my god or like you it's such a love bubble like you're so in love and I was like mm-hmm. and I was like what what's wrong with me what's wrong with me what is wrong with me am I a monster I the fear just overrode every other emotion so I was robbed of that those you know and now I have friends having literally babies this week and it's not their first time so they know mm. you know and they've their experience is so vastly different and I'm like oh okay like obviously it's not a walk in the park either but when you allow for yourself to feel all the feelings and, and you know go through the motions I feel sad that I didn't have that then but I also I know I just I can't turn back time now I just have to be glad that I came out of that phase and you know that I give my all to him now and we have the best time now and but you were giving you all I was you're yeah. all to him yeah then. I was you were just in a state of fear and yeah. I remember the first episode that we had together and because our babies are really close in age mm -hmm. but I was on my second and I I just distinctly remember as you were describing how you had felt with Caelan it took me right back to how I felt it's so different being handed a baby when you have learned how to listen to yourself. Yeah. And you're absolutely overwhelmed and you're absolutely exhausted. And it is still a whole new baby. And sometimes that can, you can fall into the trap again of thinking, I've got this. Yeah. I've done this before. Why isn't this working? <laughs> <laughs> That's not what happened the last time. But 
it's a distinct difference. You, I really believe that in that first birth, you go through such a massive transformation yeah. that is totally not spoken about. You're totally underprepared for. And antenatal is doing a disservice mm-hmm. by not covering it. Yeah, I know. And by the second time, you you already were a mother. So even if it's a different baby, you are that person. Yeah. You made that transition. So I guess I do know... I do allow for the fact that I had all those, those things, I guess all those things made it makes sense mm. you know but um but I don't know if I would I'm talking right now but I don't know if I would I don't I don't know if I would like go for number two just to prove that I you know would be okay mm. I don't think that would be the right reason to I think it would have to be the right time in my life but now that I'm at the point where and I, it, it took me maybe just a couple of months um to get there where to feel really like myself again it's just so nice to be able to enjoy Kaylin and enjoy being a mom and still share the ups and downs, but, you know, really have that sense of ease about myself. So let's talk about the transition then towards those happier experiences. Mm-hmm. And like, what do you think? Was it that he was growing up and he was being more responsive and there was feedback or was it that you had just relaxed into yourself more? Or what was what was going on that you felt you could finally, as you've described, kind of come up for air? I think a huge part of it was that my anxiety hormones, my stress response started to mm. calm down and turn off. And my body was like, you're not in, in a threat situation here. Mm. Um, I think that, that that hormonal shift took me, I'd say, I think I'd say about three to four weeks And then I felt, you know, I wasn't as tearful. I mean, I was waking up every morning with an upset stomach. That's how much the, um, the anxiety had impacted my hormones and the the cortisol and that, that just shuts down your digestive system. And I wasn't hungry. So all of those things, um, at a very biological level can keep anxiety going. And so I, I guess I knew that I had to prioritize things like asking for help getting some uninterrupted sleep when I could um and not feeling I just well I did feel guilty that I felt like I had to be this martyr and was always with the baby and mm. you know no I I knew that I I what one thing I am grateful for is that I knew enough about my own well-being and mental mm. health and my experience of anxiety that I had no problem putting my hand up and saying I'm struggling I'm not okay I need to prioritize my well-being here and know that my well-being is as vital as his well-being because otherwise I can't, you know, care for him. And I worry about other mothers who haven't experienced it before, who then find themselves in that position and and think and and don't have that awareness of how vital their own well-being is and just think they like they have to just suffer through it and they, you know, it's baby first all at any cost. Um I know to kind of advocate for myself, even when with myself. For that um and do things like very basic things like I didn't have any caffeine even though that's the one thing people are getting <laughs> by on I was like I'm just not going to add any fuel to the fire here yeah. I I ate things and did things that soothed me every night when I go to bed and um, I would do this like 15 or 20 minute long yoga nidra um with on new and of course um and that was just helping to just like doing what I could to just bring down that stress response and, and then regulate that those very um hypersensitive 
my my nervous system was kind of overwrought and I was trying to bring that back into balance and I knew how to do that but it was just on a bit of a more intense scale after having given birth and obviously because I couldn't go and have like a 12-hour marathon sleep so those things helped just time passing and, and everything recalibrating at a physical level was probably the most important thing and um, and then it was just just experience and practice and getting to know okay this is my life now I think I had a hard time adjusting to the fact that this was my life now I think I grieved a little bit for my life before a parent and I you know everyone says oh is it always going to be this hard I I kind of struggle to accept I think even though you've spent nine months knowing you're pregnant that I was a mother now and this was my life now and feeling like insane jealousy of my friends who weren't you know at home with the baby and I feel awful saying that but I did have those moments of being like, oh God, you know, is the old me gone? Um, so I think when when I started to accept and where I was and be like, this is your life now and how wonderful it can be and how wonderful it is. And again, just getting to that point of getting familiar and, and going through the motions enough times to like, honestly, to be even, I remember one day at this table, finally re- like having this moment of thinking, oh like isn't this great like you're changing his nappy and like you really know what you're doing like I felt confident about changing his nappy and because I did it by myself and like I was like you're doing it look look you're doing it you're being a mom you're doing it you're gonna pick him back up then we're gonna go back inside like you're doing it even if you don't feel like you were cut out for it or up to the task or and I think because I had such an anxious response in the beginning I did think is this happening to me because I was never meant to do this Mm. and it took, you know, people observing me, Caroline, like, look at you with him, like, you're, you know, it's, it's not, you're so natural with him, you know, and I do have a really strong maternal instinct, I was never unmaternal before, but just catching up with myself, I think, I'd say it was about three months, the first three, the first, the fourth trimester, mm-hmm. I really did feel like I sighed a breath, uh, I, I did a sigh of relief when I got to the end of the first 12 weeks, I felt like I had passed a major milestone, and I really respected that the fourth trimester was a thing. Whereas I remember so vividly interviewing Layla about <laughs> pregnancy and stuff when I was pregnant. Mm. And she was talking about the fourth trimester. And honestly, I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. In my head, I was like, what? This is just some construct for women to just have something to keep talking about. Like, no. And oh my God, it's the most significant trimester of all. Mm-hmm. And to allow yourself that time to heal and everything is so important um and to like almost embrace the fourth trimester I think I put myself under pressure to like you know I need to be out and about I need to be out do that first walk with the buggy and I think now if I if I could go back I would have been like I'm gonna spend 10 days in and around the vicinity of my bed having people bring me food and I'm just gonna chill with the baby whereas I was like if you're not out there like going for a walk in the botanic gardens or you know whatever we could do given it was COVID, then you're failing at it. And I sometimes worry, well, I feel even worse for the women who might have gone through this before COVID because it was even heightened social pressure. Oh yeah, massively, yeah. This podcast is just one way that every mum can support you. Another amazing way is with our free gift bag, packed full of essentials for you and baby, including free samples of water wipes, the number one wipe against nappy rash. To receive yours, just register now on everymum.ie. There's a free gift bag there waiting for every mum. I think certainly for me, my experience of having a COVID pregnancy and baby 
was actually there was more comfort in yeah. being frizzy, not feeling like I was missing out on things, not feeling like there was this social pressure to show up looking glam to, to X, Y, and Z, but actually to just embrace being in. And yes, that brought intense loneliness and at times yeah. a feeling of complete disconnect and at times not having that validation from people around me that would say, oh, you're doing, you're doing really great. well. Yeah. For me, it was very much like a double-edged sword with COVID. I was so grateful, given how I was feeling, that Barry was at home working from home. I just can't imagine how I would have coped with him going back to work after two weeks and me being alone all day with the baby. I just, I felt like that was a blessing in disguise, that he was there, we could figure things out together. I really, I don't know how I would have done it. And I know I would have done it because mm. I wouldn't have known any differently. Um, I, I'm so grateful. Like you say, there was no FOMO. There was no you know, needing to be anywhere. I was, you kind of go into your own little isolation lockdown anyway with the baby and the rest of the world is just on the same page as you, I guess, with the pandemic. So that kind of helped. Um, But then for me, I think I really struggled in like not being able to have my mom come up and be like, I'm going to take the baby, you go off. Or just someone to just have a cup of tea and say, like you say, like you're doing great or it's okay that you feel this way. Like all I wanted, especially in the first few weeks was someone to say, it's okay that you feel this way. And it was a long time before I got that reassurance, I think. Um, and I think that was would have been the crux of it. Someone to say, no, like you're not an outlier. This is not abnormal. A lot of women actually feel this. They just don't say it and you just vocalize everything. And I actually had a lot of women who would message me when I said I was pregnant or even when I think I was just talking to people about trying for a baby and they're like oh my god it's the best thing ever which it is and the best thing I'll ever do and it's just pure bliss and it's amazing and I remember then when I was feeling this being like oh my god you know <laughs> uh can I get a refund but mm. then these same women were like oh Jesus I was an absolute bitch mm. like I was not okay and I was like what where was that bit of Where the story? Was that bit? And mm. why did you feel the need to gloss over that and tell me it's the best thing ever? Like when you struggled, I would have been there for you too, you know? And so that was a bit of an awakening as well. But it goes back to the shame. Shame. The shame, shame, shame is just everything. And the feeling that if you do say how hard it is or that you're not enjoying it or show any sort of flaw... Mm -hmm. you get attacked yeah and and I did mm. I did get attacked for it so some some people do prove you right in in feeling that fear of judgment and stuff but I remember I don't know if no it wouldn't have been the last time we spoke be, the podcast before we wouldn't have covered this because it hadn't happened then but no we spoke in October yeah this was Christmas so I had gotten this message and um, well, Barry had gotten this message and, it, you know, I was sharing my highs and lows and some woman messaged Barry to voice her concern over my state of mind, my well-being, my ability to look after my baby. And it was the biggest gut punch I've ever gotten. I mean, I really went like mama bear over my cub, you know, don't you, you know, don't you dare. And it just proved to me, it's like, this is why women find it so hard to say because, and you're a mother saying this to me. And you're messaging and not just saying it to, to your husband. Yeah, as if he wouldn't have the first inkling if I wasn't okay, you know? Um, 
and I was like, in a lockdown while he's working from home yeah. while he's present yeah. with you 24 yeah. hours a day and I was like this is precisely why there's a problem and I remember feeling like I said to Barry I just felt this massive need to protect and withdraw mm. and like I went I only went off social media for a few days but I was so bruised by it and I was like I don't feel like sharing anything anymore about my experience and my journey and Barry was like well you have to because this is why you need to do it you need, mm. we need to break through this part you're, you're like if you're going to put yourself out there and be vulnerable and vulnerability is defined as being you know open to a risk of some kind this is the risk you face and you are going to get bitten but we need to normalize it so that it becomes normal and then people including me feel less weighed down by it um so that was unfortunate but but that's one in the you know then that's the negativity bias that's one message in the context of thousands of women who I couldn't I, I thought I was alone in this feeling I thought I was an outlier and messages from people saying oh my god you know and people who are like my baby's 10 now and you're articulating what I went through 10 years ago and I I only wish I could have put words on you know and they still are grappling with the shame that they didn't love the beginning but they felt the way I had felt um the shame is just it's like carrying it around like in a rucksack on your back you know for too long um it's tough what would it take to put that rucksack down what would it take for you to say caroline that experience wasn't your fault that experience was a natural response heightened by the fact that you as a person have an anxious predisposition like you can't give birth and become completely responsible for a whole mm. new human and not experience anxiety. I know. <laughs> I don't know what it would take. I really don't. And I've tried, I've tried to work on it and I've thought about going to therapy as well to, which, I mean, this is, thank you for the free therapy. This is basically <laughs> what this is. Except I don't have the answers. <laughs> I don't think a therapist would either, but um, I guess like the more time that passes, the more the more distance I put between the beginning and now I'm like you get more clarity and I especially seeing and hearing from more women who felt the same that certainly helps because I'm like okay you look it wasn't just you and this obviously is a very common response like you say you can't not feel anxious in some way going through it um but I think maybe maybe it's part shame and maybe it's like sadness Mm. um and I feel like I let my baby down you know you didn't. I know. But I feel, sometimes I feel sad when I look at him and I'm like, I'm so sorry that I wasn't like 100% like at my best for you when you just came into the world and you were a tiny vulnerable thing. And yeah, I just, I don't know. I feel like I let him down in some way. And I, every day, like I just, I hope like that he feels that he's got a good enough he's gotten lucky with me as a mammy (laughs) you know which I hope is true but people actually message me all the time saying um would you not worry that you'd pass your anxiety on to your baby or that kind of thing which is I mean it's a valid concern of someone who is anxious that puts people off getting pregnant in the first place I know a lot of people message me saying that um but I would say no because my awareness of my mental health, my my awareness of like how the body works mm. is only going to be 
make me more aware of it with him and be able to explain things to him and you know me normalizing it is going to normalize it for him we'll be we'll have hopefully open discussions about how our feelings and our emotions and, and how we're feeling and that it's okay to feel not just good vibes only which, mm. you know I won't have a household like that I would you know we'll, we'll be allowed to feel you'll be welcome and accepted and needed with all of your colors of your feelings you know and um, so I would definitely want to say that if anyone is anxious about transferring their anxiety we all have a stress response we all have a you know we all have an ability to feel anxious it's our survival instinct and um, some of us feel it more than others sometimes it's it's kind of tripping a little bit like was the Pat Dively said to me with anxiety it's like you want the fire alarm to go off if there's a fire mm-hmm. and what you don't want is the fire alarm to go off every time you're making toast mm-hmm. and in those moments for me it was like I was just popping toast all the time mm-hmm. and sometimes in life there'll be moments where you know the trip switch will go and you're making toast and it's going off and it, and it doesn't need to be and that's normal and I think I think hopefully the there won't be any stigma around it in, in my household so therefore he will be less likely to suffer with it because he'll have awareness of it. I think awareness is the half the battle. Because you've created a culture where there isn't shame around yeah. how you're feeling mm-hmm. and acknowledging it. And that that is what we need to do. It's the suppressing of the very real feelings and experiences and emotions that specifically women, but I'm sure all parents, when met at that moment where their whole lives and their whole purpose in life is completely upended mm-hmm. and you said something just before about you really hope you were you're good enough mm. and we're programmed to assume or to even aim to just be good enough mm. But I bet if you were to ask him as soon as he can talk, <laughs> who's his number one person in this world? Mm. It's you. Yeah. He, your your baby doesn't think that you're just good enough. Yeah. I mean, it definitely helps sometimes to just think about things from his perspective and get out of my own head. And yeah, I guess you do have those moments where you see, he still hasn't said mama or anything to me. So I'm like, give me some love back. <laughs> but this morning was one of the first times um, we bring him up to the bed every morning. And we have like, oh, I try to have a little cuddle. And he's like, get off me. Like he wants to just go and play. And like for a split second, he kind of just like looked at me, smiled and rested his head. And I was deathly hungover. Thanks in large part to yourself. <laughs> and I just said to Barry, I was like, that was the best moment of my life. Like just that moment of reciprocate like him reciprocating the love um it was like maybe I was a bit fragile (laughs) it was like he I I guess just like giving me like his you know approval or his love or his acceptance or it was just lovely it was really like that's they're the moments that you hear about that are absolutely there um but I guess I was I guess I was kind of frightened to let myself go into it as well because sometimes like letting yourself be happy requires being vulnerable and letting go and not being in control and risking you know feeling all any and all kinds of feelings and for a lot of people I think they have like an aversion to happiness and can avoid joyful experiences and situations because they 
if they let go, then they're facing risk. So that could be part of it as well. But if you're locked in a state of control, if you're mm. trying to just, you know, manage the negative emotions, you can't let the good stuff through. No. You're 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 frozen. Yeah. You're locked. Yeah. And one of the things that certainly I've worked hard on, well, actually in truth, I think watching my four-year-old be you know grow up in front of me forced me to let go of so much because it's a whirlwind Mm. and it has meant that me the human now is far more relaxed far more open to those moments yeah far 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 more open to like the sitting and the holding and the connection and the feeling it yeah and the food throwing (laughs) yeah instead of just the thinking about the feeling it yeah yeah I know you know just actually being more present in a way that I definitely wasn't first time around 100% having a baby has made me more mindful than I ever was capable of being um and it's, you know, rooting you into the moment that you're in, yeah. in a way that can only be a good thing, even if it's sometimes a difficult day. Um, and like nothing like having a baby to make you appreciate and aware of the passing of time and like be grateful for what you have right now. So as much as I was ushering through those first few weeks, mm. I was like, when does it get easier? Mm. Now I'm like, oh my God, you idiot. You know, if only you could go back there and just hold him when he was that small and if only this and that yeah. I can't go back I, I can't undo it I can only make the best of now and for try and forgive myself you know for having a very normal experience and apply self-compassion like I, I talk about this all the time in all my books and all the talks I give like the science of self-compassion and it's just one thing to talk about it than it is to actually put it in place for yourself but if any of my friends sat down with me and said they were feeling the way I was feeling then now I would like wrap my arms around them in every way for them to know that they're, they are perfectly normal and fine and it is okay. I think I just felt so isolated at that time mm. that I still feel like, I don't know, I, I didn't have like a first responder swoop in and say it's fine to kind of nip that shame in the bud for me. Mm. So I'm kind of having to go retrofit it now, I guess. I saw a marked difference in you when you stopped using phrases like I can't wait for or when will and it was like pushing future 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 it'll be to he's now one oh my god and where did that go I know and I like really wanting to go back then yeah like this milestone of one felt like the end of a chapter in some way yeah and you haven't been like racing forward to oh I can't wait until he's no 14 no, months I'm, 15 months 16 no months. I'm definitely like I'm ready for time to just I want to just feel it all I, I want to let myself feel the highs and lows and you know I actually feel quite grateful now for days when I'm like god he's a pain in the arse today you know it's I no longer have this like expectation on him or me mm-hmm. we have shit days and we have brilliant days and I just want to be where I am and I'm so glad I finally caught up with myself and I it it wasn't something I could instigate time had to pass I had to get comfortable I had to get familiar I had to let obviously those initial hormones settle down and 
but I do still probably need to do a little bit of work on like how I look back and mm. I don't want to feel sad when I think about my I had a great birth like I had a great labor mm. they told me your birth was textbook and I'm so grateful for that I mean I think maybe I was lulled into this false sense of like great it's grand and then I also have to you know I can't underestimate the, the impact that COVID restrictions had because I, Barry wasn't much used to me when I was in labor. I was like, go away. Like I need, you know, you can do nothing for me except get me a glass of water. So I didn't really feel the need to have him in hospital with me there at that point. But in the aftermath is when I was like, mm-hmm. I actually put his nappy on backwards, like in, and, I, and some midwife was like, what are you after doing? And I was just, I was like, I don't know. And, and I remember like giving birth at like half five 7 p.m. the elevator's closing it's like bye bye daddy me getting wheel back with this little grenade that could go off at any minute and I was just petrified and I think maybe to try and be kind to myself I'm like maybe you wouldn't have had the same reaction to that extent not in COVID times if if Barry was there you could both figure out things together if you could have a little nap and know that he's with Barry for a little bit I like to think that that wasn't in going in my favor or any mother's favor either. So that's okay. And to like go easy on yourself for that reason. It's an impossible situation. Yeah. For it to all be on you. It's just, it's outrageous really. At a moment where you are absolutely exhausted and all you want is the security of knowing that your partner is even taking in that information that the midwife was that throwing was a, at yeah. you. I was like, please wait for my husband to come because she was hurling it at me and the tears like, were spilling. I know. It was just, it was too much. And he was like, at the time, in a massive queue trying to queue up to get in. And I was like, don't tell me anything important right now. Just give me a cuddle. It's, honestly, it, in my opinion, it had to have had a massive impact. Yeah. It had to. Had you known Barry was there, you would have those stress responses wouldn't have been as heightened because you would have just felt like your person, the person that you trust most in this world has got this. Yeah. And together you're going to figure this out. Instead, you're placed in this impossible position where you're like, I have to do this. It's all on me. And if it goes wrong, I'm to blame. I'm the failure. Yeah. And then I think probably coupled with that, there was, we've talked about this before as well, like that I was trying to breastfeed and then straight away it was like, he had this blood sugar issue. So he was shaking quite violently and he was like, he's going to have to go to NICU. And I was mm. like, what? I I didn't know any, like I didn't understand what was going on. I was obviously rattled because uh, I felt like, why is this happening? And what, what can I do? And it's like, you're going to have to give him a bottle. Are you okay with that? And I was like, of course, like do whatever, we have to do whatever we have to do to make him okay. But I guess it, it, and that was necessary, you know, mm-hmm. but it instantly made me feel like, oh, I've already failed with mm. breastfeeding. So I'm already not even mm-hmm. <laughs> up to the task. So that plus COVID plus my predisposition towards it maybe all came together in a shitstorm of me feeling like, oh my God, mm. what have I gotten myself into? Mm. And I'm supposed to be at the center of this mm. and I'm supposed to be leading this charge. Mm. And I, never more felt like I needed my mother to come in and put me under her wing and mother me like her baby Mm -hmm. and tell me it would all be okay Mm. yeah so cathartic (laughs) and you but that's and then we went straight back into a lockdown I know yeah this is about a year on Mm -hmm. and 
acknowledging that, seeing it for what it was, as opposed to feelings of shame and failure and beating yourself up with it. But also looking forward and saying how much you've changed, how much you've grown, how much you've developed, how different the woman is now to the woman that was going back into the hospital because she thought something was wrong. Like, you have completely transformed. Yeah, I think I have. And it's weird because you feel like everyone always talks about like coming back to yourself or bouncing back. Mm. And I think it's really becoming a, a, the person you, you didn't know how to be before, but is eventually everything kind of falls into place if you let it. And um, so it's not about, you know, oh, getting back to fitting in the clothes or getting back to the person I was. I, I don't know who that person is anymore. Like, I'm never going to be that person again. I'm I'm now I'm many things, but I'm a mother is really front and center in, in guiding all of my behaviors and my decisions and my motivations in life now. And um, and I'm really grateful. I like to get to a point after having had a hard time that I don't like wish it never happened because I, I think you know it has to teach you something and I think I needed to the lesson for me was sometimes you know you're not going to feel how you expected to feel and anxiety will still pop up for people mm. and you know and how important self-compassion is to bring in at that point if you're going to try and soothe yourself back to feeling well um, and that sometimes the most rewarding things can be the most challenging things hmm. and that certainly has been my experience of motherhood like I've getting to his first birthday I mean you, you have a party basically for yourself like you know, we just had our family and godparents over but I was like his birthday was more significant for me than any birthday I've ever had because I was like we got through the first year I was like oh my god are we gonna get presents we didn't get any presents but <laughs> I just felt so proud of or oh, so proud of myself and yeah I guess just that moment like look where you are now and he's the center of my world and it's okay that we started a little bit bumpy because I think most good relationships start a little bit rocky at the beginning and then they kind of everything you gotta like work it out off, you know you gotta work yeah. through it all you have to find to get into your groove together and and arrive on the same page and match your pace and, and we did and it took me a while but I got there in the end do you like who you are now yes I do I really do that's weird to say isn't it what was I meant to say <laughs> that's exactly what you were meant to say but you said it meaningfully yeah no I do I really do I definitely since becoming a mother and coming through all of that like I definitely feel like you certainly have a, like lower tolerance for bullshit. So you're very good at setting your own boundaries mm. and saying yes and no to certain things. Um, we have no time. We have no time. No, no actual time and no time for bullshit no. either. No. Um, I really know what fills my tank and what takes from it. And I'm unapologetic about that. I really have had my values um, brought into like sharp focus mm. and what's important to me. Definitely COVID helped that as well because, you know, we were all confronted with a smaller world um and I'm really just quite happy in my little house with my husband and my doggy and my baby and 
I think it's a weird thing to say. People always expect you to say like, I'll be happy when, or it's kind of unacceptable to be happy right now. It's like, it's meant, it's meant to be something we're striving towards. And, and I write about this in my, in my last book about there being no end goal or people say, what's the end goal for you? And there isn't like, it's really just sustaining where I'm at now, having enough money coming in to be able to pay the bills. I spend every afternoon with my baby not a full day because I would go insane and I need to do some work and his minder is brilliant but we spend the afternoons together I get to play with them and have a great time we go for walks on the weekend we don't go for brunch because it's an absolute nightmare going for brunch with the baby I've tried it and I'm <laughs> don't never, go about stress responses I'm never doing that again <laughs> but I don't need any more than that I really don't so and I really have to thank Kaylin for I guess moving me away from this like mindset of always wanting more you're in a good place very good place thank you so much for sharing the place that you're in now because I think it's so important retrospectively Mm. to share where you were a year ago but to also give those that are in that place now some hope and perspective around actually what can come provided they take on that advice of the self-compassion of letting go of the guilt and shame of filling up their cup and prioritizing their selves Mm-hmm. and what they need in order to be at their best because honestly we cannot do this empty no and finding someone you trust that you can reach out and, and verbalize it to because there's a real fear of judgment among other mothers but like you can guarantee a lot of them are feeling the same way as you you know if not just one so be the person to be brave and be vulnerable first and see how people respond in kind and then you'll create like I said on our podcast before an army of mothers or people it doesn't have to be mothers who who are there who have your back and that's something else like I did not realize what a gift I would get in terms of the network of really deadly supportive women who it's just that knowing look even when you go for a walk or that nod (laughs) or it's um like other women will carry you along and you're not ever alone. You really are not ever alone. And that's one of the best things about social media. I mean, there's many bad things, but that has been certainly the silver lining for me. I have to agree. These conversations, this podcast, being able to connect by sharing real experiences in a safe place where people that listen aren't there to judge and people who are sharing it don't feel like there's going to be any shame or judgment back towards them. It's it's about giving that connection and about giving that community at a time where we are still so divided. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have been a huge part of that a year ago, the amount of messages that we have both received from that episode. Mm-hmm. And I know for a fact that this one is going to support people in just the same way. I hope so. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening and to Water Wipes, the world's purest baby wipes, for their support. Proven to be purer than cotton wool and water, Water Wipes are made with just two ingredients. Our 100% biodegradable, plastic-free and compostable wipes. And the winners of seven National Parenting Product Awards 2021, including Best Baby Wipes. So you can do what's best for your baby's skin and help protect the planet. If you enjoyed this conversation, subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Share this episode across social and get in touch with this week's guest, Caroline Foran, on Instagram. Talk to you again next week.